Hello and welcome everyone to the Almost Awesome Podcast. I'm your host Tanner, and today we are going to be talking about the newest Spider-Man game for the PS4, done by Insomniac Games and published by Sony. Now, this game has been getting a lot of praise from a lot of different places, and that is kind of rare for a Spider-Man game, because historically... Spider-Man games get very mixed reviews, but this seems to be the one that has broken that mold and has become one of the best single-player games of the year, in my opinion. Now, why is it suddenly better than most other games objectively in the past that were done in the Spider-Man and Marvel Universe? Well, what's kind of interesting about this game is that it's the first one in about 18 years, since since the year 2000, uh, that has not been published by Activision. Activision being a famous game publisher, they've uh, published a bunch of games by, you know, in the Spider-Man series, they've done... Uh, like the Tony Hawk games, a lot of uh, different games like that. And interestingly enough, this is the first one in that time, in this 18-year span, and about nearly uh, 20 games that has not been done by them, um, and is instead being published by Sony. Sony being the company that holds uh, the media rights for Spider-Man. Marvel does not own the media rights. And they're in a weird custody battle now. They are sharing the Spider-Man IP with Marvel, who are the original owners and creators of Spider-Man. Um, but, despite having some mediocre games in the past, or having bunches of chances of trying to get this game right. And some of them doing very well. I remember the first uh, first Spider-Man game I ever played was back in 2000. This was actually the first one that Activision ever published. And that was for the play- PlayStation 1. And it, uh, was, it, it was fine. It was just called Spider-Man, same as this uh, new game right here. And a little bit of backstory on that. Uh, you play as... You guessed it, Spider-Man. And somebody steals a device by from Dr. Otto Octavius, a device that gives or disperses this weird green gas all over New York City, which makes it impossible to walk on it. So Spider-Man has to jump on top of buildings and swing through the top of buildings because they couldn't fully render New York City streets. So that's their way of getting around it, but you can't get down there, otherwise it will kill Spider-Man, And but that's not somehow killing everybody in New York. I don't know, it's weird. It was a weird game, but it was a Spider-Man game. I liked it, and spoiler alert, the bad guy turns out to be daughter, or doctor, daughter, daughter Otto Octavius. Um, turns out to be Dr. Otto Octavius more commonly known as the villain Dr. Octopus. and But that was the first one that I ever played, and coincidentally was the first one that Activision tried their hand at making. Now, Activision also made 
while making a bunch of stand or helping publish, I should say, a bunch of standalone Spider-Man games. Um, dozens of video game developers have tried their hands at making a Spider-Man game. Um, now there were, of course, the movie tie-in games. Back in the 2000s, when Sam Raimi was directing the first three Spider-Man films, uh, they, of course, had their own Spider-Man tie-in video games, which covered the whole plot of the movies and stuff like that, and they added stuff in that. Um, and a lot of people's favorite was the game version of Spider-Man 2, where uh, you become friends with Dr. Otto Octavius, and, spoiler alert, he get he steals one of his own devices, and uh, he goes evil, so you have to stop him. Did not see that coming. But, fast forward about 16 years later, here we are with a new Spider-Man game. Fresh out of the gate, done by Insomniac Games. These are the guys who did the Ratchet and Clank series. Uh, Sunset Overdrive. Uh, Sunset Overdrive being uh, Xbox One launch title. Um, so it was, so a lot of people liked it, but it was one of the only games you could play on Xbox One at the time. <laughs> now, uh, this new Spider-Man game, um, is very interesting. It takes an interesting approach to Spider-Man that not a lot of people have done. This is a Spider-Man that has been Spider-Man for about eight years. Usually with Spider-Man games, we're dealing with you know, him in high school, he's just starting out as a superhero. Uh, especially in the last uh, few years, like five, six years, uh, with the new Spider-Man reboots, like Amazing Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, we're dealing with a lot younger versions of Peter Parker, and they're all just origin stories. They set the clock back. But this, But this game doesn't do that. This game gives us an adult Peter Parker, he has graduated college, and he is working at a lab under Dr. Otto Octavius. But it turns out, and Dr. Otto Octavius steals a bunch of equipment, he steals a virus, and tries to destroy New York City, and Peter Parker has to stop him again. Um, so not a lot of new angles, admittedly, um, but that's one of the only, like, kind of negative things I really have to say about this game, um, in a joking fashion. It's really not a problem. This game is superb, and it's refreshing in a time, especially now, in the gaming industry, to have recognizable IPs, recognizable franchises uh, and single-player games, really upping the quality and showing people what single-player games are capable of doing. Especially now, like earlier in the year, we had God of War come out, which is a very popular uh, franchise that people liked and, uh, when PlayStation 2 came out, PlayStation 3. And it blew everyone away with how great it is and how it doesn't have any multiplayer functions in a time when it seemed that was where the video game industry was going. But with games like Overwatch and Fortnite, 
taking over and uh, gaming publishers like EA really saying that there isn't any market for single-player games. And this is one of the games that is proving them wrong, that and God of War. And interestingly enough, this game was introduced back at the at E3 2016, uh, about two years ago. Uh, and it was first introduced over there. That's when God of War was introduced. That's when games like uh, Death Stranding, which is the new Hideo Kojima game that will be coming out hopefully sometime soon. Uh, but the reason I bring up all these games is because this Spider-Man is the first of four games that Sony, the publisher for this game, are... This is one of the four games that they are publishing and giving a lot of attention to, and they have a lot riding on these games. Uh, it being Spider-Man, Death Stranding, as I mentioned, uh, the game Ghost of Tetsuma, uh, done by Sucker Punch Studios, which are the people who made Sly Cooper. Um, and another game that I can't quite remember at this time. Um, but the point is that these are all single-player games. Uh, for the most part, as we understand right now, is that these are all single-player games in a time when single-player games aren't getting a lot of attention. And these games seem to be bringing that back. But let's talk about details about this game. So, I talked a little bit about the story, so I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. So, in Spider-Man, like I mentioned, it is about eight years into Spidey's crime-fighting career, and it starts with him taking down Wilson, Wilson Fisk, who is the kingpin, very famous Marvel villain. You might know him from the Daredevil Netflix series, played by Vincent D'Onofrio, quite brilliant, brilliantly, if I might add. Now, that's how the game starts, and then... But primarily, the main antagonist of this game is sort of a newer Spider-Man villain that was created within the last, uh, I think, ten years? Don't quite remember when he was made. But it's the Spider-Man villain, Mr. Negative, who is a character named Martin Lee, who has this weird alternate personality called Mr. Negative. And when he turns into Mr. Negative, he turns into an actual photo-negative version of himself and has these weird kind of undefined powers that allow him not only to control people's minds, but also have weird electric blasts. It's it, His powers are hilariously not defined, but his powers allow him, at least in the comics, uh, he is able to heal people. In fact, he actually takes uh, Eddie Brock, who is the character of Venom, and uh, little side treat, Venom being the movie that is going to be coming out tomorrow, which I am actually going to see. Uh, but Venom is a long-standing uh, Spider-Man villain. Uh, he's a guy with a black symbiote. He turns into this monster. And there's a lot of 
sorry, just getting up. Um, there's a lot to the character of Venom. But the point is, is that he inherited an alien symbiote that Spider-Man once wore. Spider-Man got rid of it because it altered his personality, making him more aggressive. And he became a monster. Now, in the comics, Mr. Negative... Eddie Brock has lost his power, his symbiote at this time. And Mr. Negative comes to Eddie Brock. He touches him and he heals him after he's been diagnosed with cancer. And he then turns in... He then gets a negative version or a kind of a reverse version of his powers when he had the symbiote suit. So instead of Venom devouring and absorbing people for their strength, he can actually heal people. And that's just sort of an example of what Mr. Negative is able to do, at least in the comics. It's not quite as clear in this game that he's able to do that. In fact, in the comics, he is not aware of his other personality. And in this game, he very much is. And Martin Lee, being a character who runs a homeless shelter, is very altruistic. And he also has this other side of him that he keeps hidden. And in the comics, he's not aware of it, and he becomes ashamed when he does learn of it. But in this game, they he knows of his other side, and it's not really an alternate personality. Um, but he corrupts a bunch of people, turns them into his army of demons, and they are essentially the primary antagonists of the, uh, of the game and the main reason Spider-Man has to do what he does best. Now, um, so for the most part, they do a great job of introducing this character um, that's a relative newcomer to the Spider-Man universe. Now... Martin Lee is just one example of different long-standing Spider-Man characters that they have sort of reimagined for this game. The others primarily being Dr. Otto Octavius, Norman Osborn, who is, in the comics, is Spider-Man's arch-nemesis, the Green Goblin, who is most famous for killing his love interest, Gwen Stacy, in the comics and also killing himself with his own glider in the Spider-Man Raimi movie. Uh, and being played by Willem Dafoe quite brilliantly in those films. Um, but here, in this game, Dr. or not Dr. Uh, Norman Osborn is a businessman. He runs Oscorp like he always does in movies and uh, comics. But he has not become the Green Goblin, and instead he is the mayor of New York City. And, you know, he, he does just seem like a wealthy industrialist, just kind of, uh, kind of embedding his corporation into New York, and his corporation actually being one of the points for side quests in the game, and which we'll get to it a little bit more uh, later to kind of get a sense of what's going on. Now, Norman Osborn is just this kind of corrupt individual in the game. He helped create Martin Lee's powers to become Mr. Negative. And this caused a rift between him and his longtime partner, Doc Dr. Otto Octavius. And that incident, where he gave Martin Lee his powers, is the cru crux of this story. 
it was the rift between Dr. Otto Octavius and Norman Osborn that caused them to split. And what caused Dr. Otto Octavius to start his own company where his only single employee is Peter Parker, our hero. Um, now, we learn little bits and pieces about their relationship, but that is the crux of the situation. Norman Osborn, <laughs> Norman Osborn, Norman Osborn created this serum that was meant for his son, Harry, who is dying of a unspecified illness that killed his mother, and now he is trying to save him from that. Uh, this is spoiler territory, by the way. I'll be sure to uh, put up that there will be spoilers in the description um, to try and clarify. But yes, Norman Osborn creates this thing to save his son um, and is going about it in a very kind of selfish way. Dr. Octavius learns about this serum called Devil's Breath and tries to steal it and succeeds in releasing it on New York. And this happening later on in the game. Now, they do a good job, and this is both credit to the writing and to the acting, of bringing these two well-established characters, bringing them to life in this game through their performance, through the writing, through the motion capture, through the animation. And they do a very well of capturing a real performance of real people in these extraordinary settings. Now, Octavius and Osborn are long-standing Spider-Man villains. So when I saw them in this game, it was kind of hard for me to go like, guys, we, we know they're evil, right? In the context of the game, Dr. Otto Octavius is a uh, mild-mannered scientist working on limb replacements, uh, prosthesis to give to people who have lost limbs and things like that. Peter Parker is helping him. They're both having troubles uh, financially. But Peter Parker looks up to Dr. Doc Ock um, and wants to be like him, wants to use science for the betterment of mankind. And they're stonewalled by Oscorp, Osborne, and they just have a string of bad luck. And there's a lot of... Well, there's a lot of relatable traits that both Otto and Peter have. They're both kind of down on their luck. They're fighting against the system. They're both trying so hard to help people, which is really what they do want to do, but they're stonewalled by these bigger and powerful entities, one of which being a mayor and major corporation for Otto, the other being costume supervillains for Peter. But they create this similarity between them. But how, as the famous saying for Spider-Man goes, with great power comes great responsibility, we start to see Otto starting to advance his prosthesis to his famous octopus arms that he attaches to himself that Peter actually helps build. And some of the... Uh, mini-games and side quests that you're able to do in the game allows you to help Dr. Otto create all these different things for different rewards and stuff to help you progress through the game. But you are kind of helping the villain without knowing it. Then later in the game, when it's turned out that he's actually using these 
devices for nefarious purposes. Peter is absolutely crushed at this discovery that Dr. Otto is just, just destroying New York out of petty revenge against Osborne, who, as we established previously, went too far in an experiment, killed a young boy's parents, and forever changed uh, his genetics, turning him into a supervillain. And this also leads Octavius to team up with many different supervillains, creating this game's version of the Sinister Six, a popular supervillain team from the Spider-Man comics. So this serves as an origin story as such for Doc Ock, uh, Norman Osborn, in a sense, um, and Mr. Negative. Now, as a fan of the comics, I knew all three of these guys would be villains eventually. And it was kind of weird for a Spider-Man who has been Spider-Man has not come across either three of these guys yet. So there was really no surprise when any of them, these seemingly good men, altruistic men, went evil. There was, there was no surprise. Now, to the game's credit, it doesn't take you long to figure out, oh, Martin Lee is behind uh, all these evil acts that are happening. Oh, like Norman Osborn's kind of a corrupt individual. And Doc's betrayal and choices actually do carry a lot of emotional weight. So, which made it very entertaining and very heartbreaking when he actually does uh, turn evil. So, they sacrificed surprise for good character development, which is not a bad thing. Uh, which is always what you want to do, in my opinion. Now, um, two other changes from popular Spider-Man mythos and I'm going to try and cover this a little bit faster, um, was that of the character of Mary Jane Watson, who's a longtime love interest for Peter Parker. In the comics, she's more of this free-spirited art student who wants to become an actress. She doesn't like to be tied down. She breaks up with Peter on multiple times because she doesn't want to get married, and things like that. Um, now, at the beginning of this game, uh... She had she was in a relationship with Peter Parker. They had broken up about six months before the start of the game. And which is common. You know, they break up all the time. And she has become a journalist or a reporter, I'm not really sure, but she uh yeah, she becomes a journalist for the Daily Bugle, which is another which is Peter Parker's former place of employment where he used to be a photographer taking pictures of Spider-Man. Great career choice. Now, why did they change this about Mary Jane? She's not really a famously a reporter or journalist. And it's not really a change I particularly enjoy about her character. Just because there are so many uh, love interests for superheroes who are reporters or journalists, Lois Lane being the most famous one for Superman, uh, Iris West from the Flash uh, TV show. Uh, she is a journalist who covers the Flash. Um, uh, Karen Page from the Daredevil Netflix show. She becomes a reporter. Now, 
all three of those characters are fine being reporters in their own sense. Um, they make sense for the stories they are in. And, and in the context of this game, it actually makes a lot of sense for Mary Jane to be a journalist because it gives her a lot more agency in the story, which she doesn't usually have in movies, TVs, or whatever. Um, she is usually something that Peter Parker has to save, and they make it quite clear in this game she's very capable of doing things herself. And when she's doing something, the player actually gets control of her during stealth missions, where she has to go around, gather intelligence, and she becomes sort of a partner for Spider-Man. But Peter, being Spider-Man, is afraid for her safety since she doesn't have spider powers, and constantly tells her, or babies her, not to do anything, which is why they broke up in the context of this game. Which I actually think is a nice change for her character. It took something that was previously established, that Peter had to save MJ on a number of occasions. She has become much more capable. She broke up with Peter to become her own person. And at the end of this game, they do come back together with a better understanding of the other. And that's what you do when you actually want a character to grow and learn. So while I don't agree with her career choice, it is effective for the context of the game and gives Mary Jane a lot more agency outside of making her uh, another superhero, which I'm not against, but they found a different way to do it. Now, one of the last characters I want to talk about before I talk about side missions and things like that is the character of good old sweets. May Parker. May Parker being the aunt of Spider-Man, the famous aunt. She is the adoptive parent of Peter Parker. We never really f figure out what happened to his parents, and it doesn't matter whatever happened to his parents. All right? Sorry, Amazing Spider-Man's 1 and 2. We don't care about what happened to Peter's parents. Uncle Ben and Aunt May are his parents. And Uncle Ben being killed off, which, thank Goodness, we didn't see that again. We don't need to be keep reminded that Ben Parker was killed. But Peter blamed himself for Uncle Ben's death, and that's why he became Spider-Man and learning that with great power comes great responsibility. There, we recapped it. Now, Aunt May has taken a position at one of the homeless shelters that the villain Martin Lee has set up. She takes care of it. Uh, in the game, you're able to go there, see a lot of the different people that they're helping out, um, and you interact with a lot of the homeless people, and you really get a sense, like, this is what May Parker is doing. And you kind of get a sense that this is where Peter gets a lot of his uh, want and need to help others is from May Parker, which I think is very sweet. Now... Uh, and this is huge spoilers for the end of the game. I'm putting it right here. If you don't want to know, play the game, then come back, and we can talk about this. So, May Parker, at the end of the story, I think I mentioned earlier that uh, the serum that the bad guys are getting, the magical MacGuffin, is something called Devil's Breath, which is something that 
is a virus that almost instantly kills people. Now, Peter Parker, as Spider-Man, is able to get a vaccine after he beats uh, Doc Ock in a fight. And he has a choice at the end of the game. Aunt May has become infected with the Devil Bre- uh, the Devil's Breath virus. And there is only one vial of the cure. So, while he's watching his aunt die, he has a choice of either to give it to her to save her life, or to give it to a scientist for him to manufacture and make more. But he would need that sample. So, he's given a minute with his aunt. He's debating what he wants to do. She comes to. She reveals in a very heartbreaking uh, uh, scene that she has known that he has been Spider-Man for a long time. And she tells him, you already know what you have to do. And as she's dying, Peter almost gives her the serum, but he chooses not to. And instead chooses to save everyone else with it. And Aunt May passes away. And it becomes the first time in Marvel's history where they've actually allowed Aunt May to die. And I know that seems weird that I would say that. But this actually comes from one of the most famously bad comics of all time. And this is a comic called Spider-Man One More Day. This comic, in this comic, Aunt May is dying for whatever reason. I don't remember. It's not important. But she is dying, and Spider-Man gets an offer from the devil to save her life. But in exchange, he has to give up his marriage to Mary Jane in the comics. And they were married at this time. And it is so stupid. I hated it. Everyone hates this comic. Peter Parker actually does it. He gives up his marriage. It turns back time so that they were never married. Aunt May is alive. Peter Parker and Mary Jane aren't in a relationship. It's so stupid. Um, and But this game doesn't do that. And the reason I bring up that comic is because after this comic, that's when they introduced characters uh, like Martin Lee as Mr. Negative. After that comic story, that's when he was introduced. And that's when Mary Jane started to become her own character, started appearing in other Marvel uh, properties as a more well-rounded character than being just Peter Parker's girlfriend. Um... So it gave us a lot, but it's a still a stupid comic. And what this game did was sort of the opposite. They gave us good storytelling, where the characters actually grow and evolve and have arcs. Which is kind of what the other Spider-Man games for the last 18 years didn't really have. They didn't have arcs. They were just movie tie-ins or just... Just bleh, whatever. Just fun little Spider-Man adventures, which weren't 
terrible, in my opinion. I've actually quite enjoyed them. But this game really took the relationships that Peter Parker has and really put them full in full view to be enjoyed, to be viewed, and it's a very rewarding thing to watch and to play and to experience. So that's what I appreciated about this game. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the gameplay, some side missions really quick, and that will be the end for today. So some of the things with uh, this game, the combat. The combat is very reminiscent of Arkham Knight without actually copying it. And what I mean by that is that Arkham Knight or, or the Batman Arkham series focused a lot of its gameplay on a kind of fluid countering system. And this Spider-Man game actually takes a cue from that without copying by actually focusing much more on Spider-Man's ability to evade opponents. While, Sp or, uh, while Batman, Batman's martial arts styles allow him to counter opponents and you rack up different combos based on that gameplay mechanic. This one has a similar tactic with evasion. Spider-Man evades his opponents, kind of dances around them, and uses like single strikes, things like that. He uses his gadgets, his webbing, to subdue opponents um, to almost comedic effects. And what I mean by that is there's this funny thing in the game where if you knock somebody off a rooftop, they fall seemingly to their death. And I think a lot of people caught on to this and thought it was weird that Spider-Man was committing murder. But you can actually notice that they get webbed to the side of a building whenever they get knocked off. Um, and I think people are just now starting to realize that. And I thought that was hilarious when I first saw it. Um... Now, I want to talk about another function of this game that I actually really like, which are the collectibles. Now, I'm not usually one to feel like I need to get every collectible in a game. There's usually no point outside of uh, gaming console achievements. But this game actually rewards you for collecting collectibles by making it part of the way that you're able to get alternate costumes for Spider-Man. And the costumes in this game aren't just a cosmetic choice that you're able to choose from. Each suit has a different power or ability that you are able to equip in the start menu that allow that gives you certain different advantages in fighting. Um, and you don't have to just choose that costume to get that power. You can switch the power with different costumes so you can use whichever you want. You've unlocked it, which I think is very good. A lot of RPGs don't give you that ability. Uh, like The Witcher is one example um, where you have to choose kind of a dumb outfit. Sorry, I just knocked my mic arm. Uh, that allows you to, or doesn't allow you to choose an outfit that might look dumb or you might not like, but you stick with it because it's got really good stats. This game doesn't do that. Now, the different collectibles are different backpacks that Peter has throughout his career stashed around New York that he has forgotten about, like science awards to old gym t-shirts gym t that smell. Um, and they go down a little bit around 
they give you kind of a little bit of backstory uh, to many of his different adventures with his different supervillains. So they're fun collectibles, but getting them adds a purpose because they either allow you to unlock a costume with a certain ability or they allow you to upgrade your gadgets or different things like that. So there's a real purpose and a real need to actually collect stuff. Uh, you can get landmark tokens for taking pictures of famous landmarks in New York or landmarks in the Marvel Universe like Avengers Tower, things like that. Uh, you can also do many different challenges. Um, one being issued by Spider-Man villain Taskmaster or Taskmaster. Uh, Taskmaster, um, who I don't know much about Taskmaster. Uh, he's kind of a lame villain. Uh, now in the game, everything you do, he, he's actually a very, he's one of the optional boss fights you have in this game, uh, which are actually really well done. Uh, and he's kind of a tricky boss to handle. The other boss fights in this game, you square off against famous Spider-Man villains like Electro, the Shocker, Rhino, Scorpion, and the Vulture. Now, something that this game did phenomenally was instead of these characters just showing up in random points, they actually make a real narrative reason why they're there. All of these villains um, that I've just listed have that Spider-Man has actually faced before in continuity of the game, but have since been locked up, but they escape with the help of Dr. Otto Octavius. And instead of fighting these villains one-on-one, -on -one, they actually do something interesting where you actually they try to give you a sense of, oh my god, this is all happening at once by actually having you take on two of the villains at one time to give you kind of an overwhelming se sense of, oh, I have to deal with these guys like right now and it's like it's all happening at the same time. So you actually have to deal with two famous Spider-Man villains at the same time, which is usually not the case. And you do actually have to watch out for the other while you're fighting one of the guys. And it made it very challenging in the boss fights, which I actually appreciated. Uh, but they didn't make it too difficult. They didn't make it Bloodborne difficult. They didn't make it Dark Souls difficult, uh, which not every game needs to be that way. Um, so I thought that was a nice touch. Um... So I think that is where I am going to end this review. Uh, this is the first review I have done. I hope to make my podcast more on subjects like this, like video games, like movies. I am planning to go see the new Venom movie. I'm not exactly excited to go see it. Um, I have mixed feelings about this film. I'm not a super Venom fan, and I think it's weird that they're making a Venom film that has nothing to do with Spider-Man. And that's why I'm bringing it up in this review, because that's essentially what this movie is. It's meant to be separate from Spider-Man, which is weird to me. But I'm going to give it a chance. I'll make another review very soon that you can see for that. And we'll see where this goes. I had a lot of good time making this. I hope you had a good time watching or listening. I don't know if you are watching. If you are watching, that's weird. I'm in my room right now, and I don't have pants on. And if you were watching, you knew I was lying. So, <laughs> that is where I'm going to 
in today's podcast. I just got an email. That's what that noise meant. So it has been an almost awesome time. That is not going to be the catchphrase, but I might say it a few more times uh, in these earlier podcasts. So, So thank you for listening, everybody, and hope to hear from you guys again soon. Bye.